Parameshrama Amara Bapa. Hallowed be your name. Dein Reich komme. Your will be done. M. Shaben in Jungle by Ianzo Ezuluin. Pina Nuastra Chaituate Zirele, Tonio Noa Astas. Y perdona nuestros pecados, así como nosotros perdonamos a quien peca contra nosotros. Y no nos induces a tentación, mas libranos do mal. Terrijo Bantire, Agbarantire, Ogontire. Un vez de vez, amén. 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 Thank you very much. Well, before we start, we want to say a special welcome to Kingsgate Cambridge and Kingsgate Leicester, those who are watch watching in Cafe Church, and to anybody who's watching online. You are very welcome with us here today. So, we've reached the part of the prayer where Jesus teaches us to pray, give us today our daily bread. And what I love about the Lord's Prayer is its beautiful balance. We start off looking at God, hallowing his name. We declare his kingdom come and his will to be done. And then right embedded in the middle of the prayer is this lovely little section where the, the shift focuses from our gaze onto uh, our Father in heaven onto us and our needs. And I just think it's so amazing that, that there is a, this prayer accommodates that. And then of course, later on in the prayer as we'll hear in the coming weeks, we're back to looking back at our heavenly Father as we declare yours is the power, the kingdom and the glory. So it is a beautifully balanced prayer and I love it. And you know, what's so great about praying uh, for our daily needs? It's like Jesus in the middle of this prayer is saying, okay, well now we've got our focus and perspective right. You've hallowed the names of God. We can now shift our attention to your needs and then we'll go back to uh, looking at the Father. So he teaches us this wonderful, all-encompassing prayer. And I'm so glad that Jesus does give us permission to pray for our needs. I don't know about you, but I can find myself falling into one of two ditches. I either come at him with a great big long shopping list of needs and wants and what about this and, and, and there's this need and there's this person, there's this. I've, I've even forgotten to say, hello Lord, how are you? I love you, I love your name, you're amazing, you're awesome, before I just jump straight in to, to the focus being on, on me. So that's one ditch that we can fall into. The other one, and I don't know about you, but I found myself last year when we were challenged to pray the prayer of Jabez, and bearing in mind I've had 30 years of praying, and, but there was something about the challenge of that sort of very audacious prayer, Lord bless me, oh Lord bless me, and enlarge my territory. You know, there were times through that season where I'm like, is this okay? Is it all right to pray such a bold and audacious prayer? Well, what's so amazing is that Jesus almost gives us permission to pray for our needs. So, you know, we don't have to stumble like I did last year, and I hope that we can all be at great ease today as we learn to pray for our daily needs. We can be bold to pray such an audacious prayer. 
So Jesus is so wise and compassionate towards us and he's you know, committed to us staying on the right track, not falling into one ditch, not falling into the other, but that we can just see the, the prayer as a whole. You know, he has such tenderness and compassion towards his children and you know, a couple of weeks ago when Dave pray, uh, pr- preached on hallowed be your name, I don't know if you remember, but one of the names of God was Yahweh Jireh, Jehovah Jireh, the the Lord who provides. It's right there as part of his nature and his character. So we can come and we can be bold. We can call on Yahweh Jireh. And of course, it's not just about... um, Uh, material or physical needs. This can be emotional needs. It can be spiritual needs as as well. Whatever your needs are today, we have Yahweh Jireh who loves to meet the needs of his children. So let's set the scene. Jesus is teaching this prayer to a largely Jewish audience and they would have totally got the idea of praying for daily bread because the backdrop to their history, they had this amazing story that had been passed down uh, by their forefathers of how the Lord had provided bread on a daily basis while they were traveling from slavery in Egypt around the desert into the promised land. The promised land was their destination, but for lots of reasons that we haven't got time to go in today, it took them a very long time. In fact, it took them 40 years. Now, when they first left Egypt, they were obviously in the desert, they didn't have regular sustenance, and there was a lot of grumbling and a lot of complaining, and so much so that in fact some of them even wanted to go back to Egypt because at least they'd know where their next meal was coming from. And so the Lord in his compassion provided on a daily basis manna from heaven. You may be familiar with that phrase. Now manna is it was, it's a supernatural type of bread, It's never appeared before or since that time where he rained it down on on the Israelites for 40 years. But it's basically small wafers of bread that taste of honey. So for 40 years, that's what they ate. Now, we're in 21 days of prayer with fasting. So if you are eating fruit or vegetables or there's certain things in your diet that you're not cutting out and you're at that stage where you're grumbling and complaining, just take heart that it's 21 days and it's not 40 years. So, okay, so let's move on. What does it mean then for us in 21st century Britain to pray, give us today our daily bread? After all, we're not wandering around in a desert waiting for manna from heaven to drop. We're not in a largely agricultural society, which was what Jesus was teaching in, where the norm would have been daily fresh provision. We live in a very different world, don't we? You know, if we're working, we get a monthly uh, paycheck or a weekly paycheck, and I don't know about you, but I buy my bread from the supermarket, and usually I don't just buy one loaf, I buy several and I put them in the freezer. So I don't need to be praying for daily bread either. And you know, just to be clear, in this context, praying for bread is not about literal bread, it's about everything we need for daily living. You know, so that can be shelter, it can be paying the bills, it can be um, medicine, whatever it is that we need, you know, we can uh, trust in the Lord and, and in how he chooses to supply that to us. 
Also, there may be a thought in some of our minds that is it even right to be praying such a prayer, give us today our daily bread, when compared to large swathes of the world that are living in poverty, and we, relatively speaking, have so much, is it even right that we should be praying for daily bread? Well, as I recently heard someone say, the reality of poverty does not make the reality of blessing wrong. We simply got to hold the two things in tension and get things in a right perspective. We should never take what we have for granted. And, you know, we should be generous with what we have. And in 1 Timothy 6, verse 18, it actually encourages us to be generous and willing to share. It's a matter of getting our priorities right. And for some of us here today, there really are some very... Uh, specific material needs. So, you know, I just want to release us and free us. We can be confident and we can be bold to ask the Lord to supply our daily bread, whatever that might mean for you here today. So let's be bold. Let's call on Yahweh Jireh, the God who still loves to provide for his children. So I'm going to use three headings to help us. And so number one, when praying, give us today our daily bread. Believe that it's God's will to provide for you. Now, believing that it's God's will to provide for us requires faith. And the biggest enemy to faith is fear and worry. But as the Dutch Christian Corrie ten Boom, who along with her father helped hundreds of Jews escape from the Holocaust, she wrote this, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, it empties today of its strength. So let's not waste our precious time and energy by worrying, but instead, let's go to our Father in heaven, who is a good, good God, and who is faithful and true. And there are many supporting scriptures around this whole theme of God providing for us. So we always want to back up what we do rooted in the Word of God, don't we? Because that's the surest place where we can put our faith. And, you know, in Romans it tells us, you know, that, that to, we, we need to, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So we need to have the Word of God in our hearts in order to faith to really take root and grow. So let's put the Word of God to work. And one of my favorite scriptures around this whole um, uh, thing of God supplying for us is from Matthew 6, 25 2.34. And it says this, so I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food, drink, and clothes. Doesn't life consist of more than food and clothing? Look at the birds. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns because your heavenly Father feeds them and you are more valuable than they. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. And why worry about your clothes? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't he more surely care for you? You have so little faith. So don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly Father 
already knows all your needs and he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. What an amazing, comforting passage of scripture that is. And there's no doubting God's care and concern for us, is there? We're more valuable than the birds in the air are more precious than the flowers in the field. And there are lots of us across Kingsgate who can testify to God's care and concern in this whole area of provision. However, this is also a very challenging passage. And if you'd noticed in verse 33, it says, he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. The NIV version puts it like this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So are we willing to live for Jesus and to put his kingdom and his righteousness first? Can we come to a place of surrender and trust him enough to lay everything at his feet? You see, what's more important to our Father in heaven is that we are kingdom-minded people and that we put kingdom priorities first. That's what's important because he knows that's what's best for us and he wants what's best for us. But then, of course, he chooses to add all of these other things. So it's so important to him for us to understand that we need to put his kingdom first before we can receive all of these added blessings. Which brings me to the next point. Number two, when praying, give us today our daily bread, we need to be in God's will. When we know we're in God's will, we can boldly, confidently, and audaciously ask him to provide for our for our needs and you know I hope we all know that God's love is unconditional there is nothing that we can do that could make God love us any more than he already does his love is unconditional but his promises are conditional and so if you know, we go back to verse 33 i will supply all your needs is the promise but then there's the if this is the condition if you seek first the kingdom. It's the promise and then there's the condition. You know, God is not a, a slot machine. He's not someone that we can just do certain things and suddenly all the money will pour out. He's not at our beck and call. He's not there to write a blank check for us when we run out of a few pounds. You know, we're talking about a heavenly, awesome, holy, Father, the great I am. That is who we come to as children of God. That is who we call on in this area of provision. So let's not take these things lightly, but be in the right order, kingdom priorities. And so I don't know about you, but when I first became a Christian, which was uh, over 30 years ago, I actually really did want to be a kingdom woman. I wanted to put God's kingdom first. I wanted to seek first his righteousness. I didn't actually know at that time about all the added blessings. I just knew that I loved him. I was so grateful for what he had done in my life. I was so aware of the incredible sacrifice that Jesus had made on my behalf. He'd paid an incredible price. So when I gave my life to Jesus, it really was an all or nothing. I was one of those people who wanted to make Jesus my savior 
and my Lord. And I don't know if you were here for Pastor Agu last week, but you know he made a very telling comment about as he observes the church at large, there are lots of people who want Jesus to be their savior, but they don't want him to be their Lord. Well, I can honestly say I really did want both. But at the time, I didn't really know what making Jesus Lord actually meant. And as I, as I walked with him, I, you know, I, there were some challenges along the way. But the general orientation of my life is that I wanted to be in his will. So what were some of the challenges? Well, probably one of the first ones was actually being in the will of God when praying and believing for God's uh, daily provision. Because that's what we need to do before we can really audaciously and boldly come before him and pray this prayer. And what does that mean? What does that look like for us? Well, the Lord makes it quite clear in his word. It's about bringing everything that we own, everything we have under his lordship, all of our possessions under his domain. You see, he doesn't want us to live independently. He wants us to live dependent on him and with a trust. We want to put our trust in him, not in worldly wealth or the things of this world. And so that's why tithing is something that helps us to be to trust the Lord. Now, giving away 10% of our income, which is what tithing is, 10% of our income, I know that it sounds foolish. But putting your money and possessions into God's system under his financial care, under his almighty hand, is actually the wisest thing that we can do. And so, I was challenged by this right in the very early days of, of our marriage. Dave was like, Dave always is like, yeah, 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 all in, let's do it, let's do it. But to be quite honest, I was like, what? 10%, 10% of our income? And then I would be looking at God, I'm like, okay, God, we don't have a lot of money, and what we've got you want to take. That was, what, that was what I was thinking. And I would have these tussles with the Lord and I would be ranting and I would be complaining. And I, you know, every time it came to the week where we'd have to present our tithes to the Lord and Dave would be, okay, Karen, are we going to pray over our tithes? I'd be like, <laughs> you know, and it was all very odd really because I, naturally I am quite a generous person. And so if somebody came to me and asked me for some money, a friend need came, I'd be more than happy to give them some money. I'm happy to give money to a good cause, but there was something about the tithe that just got me really angry. I think part of it was is that I, I was happy to give into the church offering, but I wanted it to be on my terms and not God's terms. You see, on my terms, I have control over my money. God's terms, 10% means he gets control. And I realized that that was part of the tussle. And so, uh, you know, I, I, as I began to ponder it, I, I thought more and more, I thought, do you know what? There's something supernatural about the tithe, and that is why I'm having such a hard time with it. There's a battle that is literally going on in my soul, in my spirit, in my mind, in my heart, that I really don't want to uh, relinquish. And so as soon as I realize, I kind of like twigged, okay, God's supernatural blessing could be released in my life if I was prepared to put my life under his supernatural uh, hand. 
And so when I realized that I was on the wrong side of the battle lines, I quickly repented and I quickly shifted over. And really from that point in time, everything changed. I didn't, I, I wasn't angry, I wasn't frustrated, I wasn't fearful, I wasn't worried. I thought, okay, I'm going to trust the Lord. And so I made a decision, and from that point on, you know, we, we would stand on scriptures like Malachi 3 verse 10, which says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. I'm like, okay, well, that's a good promise. I'll have some of that. So I began to put God's work to, uh, word to work in, in my life. And then very quickly after that, the Lord just used a very simple little gift to me that just melted my heart and it absolutely just clarified that he really did want to bless me. And um, now bear in mind, this is 30 years ago. We were living in Oxford. We were living in rented student accommodation, which was very sparsely furnished. And so I wanted a couple of bits of furniture just to make the home a little bit more cozy. And so I went on one of my legendary shopping trips into every junk shop that I could find. I still love going into junk shops now. Um, but anyway, back then, it was an absolute necessity. And so I, I think it was about the third shop that I'd, I'd got into. I found a beautiful little oak Welsh dresser. And the moment I saw it, I just fell in love with it. And in fact, I seem to remember I was, I was only looking for a coffee table. But, oh dear. <laughs> okay, I was looking for a coffee table, but then I saw a Welsh dresser. And I thought to myself, oh, I love that so much. That would look so beautiful in, in our lovely little house. And, you know, but I'm like, oh, I just don't think that we could afford it. Because in my mind, I thought it was probably going to be at least 100 quid. And we just didn't have that sort of money back then. But anyway, when I asked the, the shopkeeper, he said, it's 30 pounds. I'm like, yes! It's 30 pounds, I can afford it, I want it. I was like, I was almost doing a little dance in the shop. And then suddenly I heard this whisper from the Lord. It's like, see Karen, don't you realize, don't you see now? I wanna bless you, when you let go, I'll take care, not just of your needs, but of the blessings and some of the extras, the little extra. The dresser actually was a little extra. Now we've had that dresser for 30 years now and I still treasure it because it's just a reminder to me of how much God loves me and cares for me. And he wants to take, he wants to take care of me, but there are some things that I've gotta do. I've gotta let go and I've gotta trust him and I've gotta be obedient, but oh my, the blessing Blessings are just so far outweigh anything that it might cost us. So Dave and I now never take our, our blessings for granted, and I'm enjoying the blessings even more, and it feels like we're in a, in a season of convergence of God's blessings. But you know, it's been a 30-year 
journey. And, uh, you know, we've, we've really enjoyed putting God first and, and really, you know, wanting to set ourselves up well uh, to enable the windows of heaven to open over us. And it's so important, isn't it? We want, we want open heaven, don't we? Sometimes we can pray for open heaven, but then we don't do the very thing that actually opens the heaven for us, which is being obedient in this area. You know, if everybody in the church tithed, we literally would have more than enough to, to extend the work of the ministry. If the church in the nation tithed, you know, the church would be in an incredibly strong place to really take ground and to cross over into the battle lines of where we need to go. So, you know, let's be a people where we're asking for open heaven, but we're doing the things that we know, know to do in order that that open heaven can come. So from that time on, I've been wholeheartedly obedient to the area, in, to the Lord in the area of tithes and offerings. And you know, there have been challenges along the way. It hasn't all been easy from there. There have been battles on a personal front and on a on a ministry front. But you know, from the time where I remember carving a, a loaf of bread and crying into the bread and asking the Lord, you know, we, we need provision because we've got bills. Oh, and by the way, Lord, you're gonna have to pay your tithe as well because I don't have the money. You know right back from the early days of ministry, which is what that picture portrayed, to today where, you know, we're needing to believe the Lord for millions to, you know, keep the work of the ministry growing and extending and doing all the things that we do. It's the same faith, you know, the same faith that can believe for, <clears throat> believe for bread uh, on, a, on a table. It's the same faith that believes, you know, for millions for the work of the ministry. But we've got to start somewhere. And so, you know, we've had a 30-year history history of obedience, and God has had a 30-year history of exemplary faithfulness. Amen. Amen. But being in God's will in this area of provision, it isn't just about tithing. You know, it's about being good stewards of everything that we own. And I don't know, but last year we uh, played out a VT of Matt and Abby Chernick, who were very, very honest about where they were at in terms of believing God for uh, provision in their lives. So you may remember it from last year. This may be the first time you've seen it. But as you watch it again, you know, just begin to open your heart and ask the Lord, is there anything that you need to speak to me about the stewardship of fi my finances? Because we do want to position ourselves well. So why don't we take a look at this? Hi, I'm Matt. This is my wife, Abby. Um, at the beginning of our marriage, we weren't in the best financial position. Uh, we were living beyond our means, generally. Um, and although it felt really good to spend in those moments, we had a real pressure over us and felt really anxious about the future. We'd always tithed off our gross incomes, and uh, somehow we convinced ourselves that because of that, God would totally bail us out of our situation. Um, and we were actually praying for that sort of golden envelope, getting stuffed through our door full of cash. Uh, we'd heard other people receive gifts and miraculous provision. We convinced ourselves it was going to happen for us. Um, but still, living beyond our means, still spending when we wanted. 
Thankfully, we had a wake-up call to the fact that all of our money comes from God and we were actually not being very wise with what he'd given us. So we asked him to forgive us for getting into debt and not managing our money well. We sought financial advice and put a budget in place and prioritised living beneath our means and putting money into savings and paying off our debt. And we continued to tithe of our gross income and really trusted God that he would help us make wise financial decisions. Yeah, God's helped us in so many ways that we didn't even think possible. Um, and it, you know, rather than giving us one big payoff and sorting everything out in one go, like we'd kind of hoped, um, we really believe through putting God first in every area of our finances, he's just shown us favor and provision time after time. You know, we've, we've been able to pay off debt, we've built up savings, we've created buffers in our accounts, and we've really seen his, well, miraculous provision over this amazing process. When we first had our daughter, I was on maternity leave and we were approaching Christmas and we were really wondering how we were going to navigate it well, how we were going to be generous and be able to give gifts to people that we wanted to but still live within our budgets. To say that people literally handed us money would be no exaggeration. We had money transferred into our accounts, given as, as gifts, and someone even gave it to me in the street. It was we ended up we ended up finishing the Christmas season with more money than we actually started with. At the start of this year, I remember driving in my car and asking God, how are we ever going to be able to afford a home? It was something that we really wanted to do, but it just felt so far off for us. Eight months later, we can now say that we are homeowners, and that is a complete testimony to the grace and faithfulness of God, and it's a complete miracle. Uh, one of those um, unexpected gifts that God provided was when our boiler packed in after owning the house for literally a week. Um, although we'd been, been able to save and pay for that and not go into debt, literally three days after we paid for it, we got an unexpected payment through for four times the amount of the boiler. So we were so thankful for that. Uh, since God's kind of taken us on this whole process of managing our money better, um, we have lost our fear and our pressure that we had. Um, we feel that we've seen his provision and favour time after time and we just can't wait to see how we can be a blessing to other people. There's so much in that story, isn't there? Generosity, positioning right, tithing, offerings, being generous, it's all, it's all in there. But did you notice that Abby had a very specific uh, request. As she was driving along in her car one day, she had this thought about owning their own home, and it was something that at the time they never thought that they'd be in a position to do. But then suddenly she began to pray very specifically, which brings me on to my next point. Number three, when we pray, give us today our daily bread. Be specific and be tenacious. So as I've already mentioned, when we pray for bread, it isn't just about bread. It extends to all areas of our lives. And, you know, our Father loves it when we're specific. Now, when Matt and Abby prayed about owning their home, a house did not just fall out of the sky like manna from heaven. In fact, they bought the house that they'd actually been renting. But it seemed that faith suddenly had been deposited in their hearts they got specific, they knew that they were positioned well so they could be bold, and then it was almost like a series of God coincidences 
converged. And what seemed impossible at the time suddenly became possible. And so that's a lovely illustration, isn't it, of just being specific, positioning yourself well, and also being tenacious. Now, after the, the Lord's Prayer, if we look into uh, Luke 11, there's a, a, a verse there that teaches us to be very uh, specific and tenacious. And this is Jesus telling this parable again, straight after, quite close after he's teaching on, on the Lord's Prayer. Suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I, Jesus, tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Now notice there, it was very specific. Three loaves of bread. It wasn't just, mate, I need some bread. What have you got? It was like, I need three loaves of bread and I'm not going to take no for an answer. And now the point of this parable is to highlight the need for tenacity. So unlike the grumpy owner of the bread, God is not reluctant to provide for our needs. On the contrary, as we've already seen in Matthew 6, he's very compassionate towards us and he's concerned about our needs. So that is not the point of this parable. It's about the tenaciousness of the friend who wanted to go so that his friend would have food to eat. So you see, God loves it when we're spiritually determined. That's the point of this parable. Are you spiritually de determined? Am I spiritually determined? Together, are we spiritually determined and willing to do anything that it takes to get ourselves in the way of God and go, come on, Lord, we need some provision. We need some open heaven over our lives today. He loves it when we're like that because it shows that we're serious about the requests that we're making. And, you know, he, he, he likes that. It's like we don't want to be these people who are like, oh, we have a little go. Oh, we'll have a little pray about that and see if it works. Oh, no, it doesn't work. And it's like, oh, when we move to the next thing. And we go through our Christian life thinking, nah, God doesn't really want to provide for us. On the contrary, let's press in. Let's keep knocking. Let's keep banging on that door. Let's keep positioning ourselves well until the windows of heaven are open over us. Now, we could also um, argue, well, why bother being specific and tenacious when God knows our needs already? After all, we've read in Matthew 6, verse 8, your heavenly Father already knows your needs, and he will give you all you need from day to day. But let's remember that prayer is not for God's benefit, it's for ours. And he loves it when we verbalize these things, when we come expectant, full of faith, trusting in him, obedient. It's like suddenly he can go, yeah, love it. Here you go, here you go. You know, he, there's nothing in him that wants to withhold from us. So, you know, we can be amazed. Let's be amazed. Let's go into this next season. Let's continue this season of the, the Lord's Prayer, the 21 days and beyond that. Let's go in with a sense of reverence, a sense of trust, a sense of, be, of be, obedience, and a sense of tenaciousness when we bring our requests to the Lord. 
Now, you may feel like you don't have any material requests, so, you know, again, does this part of the prayer apply to you? Well, yes, it does, because you might not have material uh, needs, but I bet you know somebody else who does. And so why not use this part of the prayer where you're actually believing and praying and bringing somebody else before the Lord to see their needs met? And the Lord might even whisper something into your ear, which is, and you are the answer. You know, it's about being generous with what we have in our hands and being the answer to other people's uh, prayers. And I'm so grateful that over the years, other people have been the answer to my prayer. You know, again, money hasn't just dropped out of the sky. You know, people who have heard the Lord have just been generous towards us, and we've known the goodness of God uh, in that. And so likewise, let's be people ourselves who are willing to meet the needs of others so that they too might know that there really is a God in heaven who loves them and who wants to meet their needs. So let's remember this. Prayer is not a formula, but it's a relationship with God. It's not about a one-off experience. It's about a daily, lifelong, mutual commitment. So let's recap. When you pray, give us today our daily bread. Remember, know that God wants to provide for you. He loves you more than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. Number two, be in his will. Put his kingdom first and be good stewards of everything that you have. And number three, be specific and be tenacious. Whether it's three loaves of bread or whether it's a secure roof over your head, be specific and be tenacious. Amen.